It's time for Thriller Thursdays here on the Mutual Audio Network, if you dare. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Once again, Decoder Ring Theater presents another page from the casebook of that master of mystery, that sultan of sleuthing, Martin Bracknell's immortal detective, Black Jack Justice, starring Christopher Mott as Jack and Andrea Lyons as Trixie Dixon, girl detective. The name's Dixon. Trixie Dixon, girl detective. Whoever said that news travels fast had never kept a lunch date with our old pal Mike Rogers, crime reporter for the Gazette. To the best of my knowledge, he had never run less than 45 minutes late for anything in the years that I'd known him. And that was when the appointment was a thinly-veiled opportunity to undress a certain girl detective with his eyes over a meatloaf special while being pumped for information on a case. It was a tasteless little dance we danced, but an effective one. Besides... Mike was a married man and therefore strictly hands-off, even for the usually progressive Miss Dixon. So needless to say, I wasn't all that worried when my wait for Mike turned into hour number two. But when the clock on the wall had done another loop-the-loop, my patience was running a little thin. Not only did I not have the skinny I was after, but I had to go report same to old Squarejaw. About time. Shut up. The client just called. The client can hold her horses. Perhaps you would like to tell the client this the next time she calls. She's getting a little sick of hearing me say it. I haven't heard it once, and I'm already sick of it. Nice. What are you doing? Looking for the bottle. Under B. For bottle? It's a bit simplistic, don't you think? B for bourbon. Ah. It's not here. No, it isn't. Jack, before I shoot you... I gave Mr. B for bourbon a good home the other day. When was this? Thursday lunch. He seemed fine. That's because a fella can't go on much of a bender with a thimble full of sour mash you left in the B for bottom. Shut up. I replaced him with his brother, Mr. R for Rye, whom you will find filed accordingly. This is a stupid system. It is. It really is. It is also your system, as I recall. Shut up. What's got you in such a mood? Who says I'm in a mood? Well, how many times are you planning to tell me to shut up? Depends. How long before it works? And so we sat there in stony silence. She with the furrowed brow and grim expression of one who has painted herself into a corner and knows it. I, with a beneficent smile, scratching the ears of Mighty King, the crime-busting dog Deluxe. Something had set her ladyship off, but before she'd even had a chance to properly complain about it, she had shut down all conversation. Every time she tried to sidle sideways into discussion, she glanced up at my unblinking eye and pleasant smile and got madder and madder. This was going to be a fun day, after all. At last, the telephone on my desk began to ring. I made no move. She raised her overly sculpted eyebrow. I smiled and shrugged a little, pointing to my sealed lips. After half a dozen rings, she bolted across her desk and grabbed the receiver. Hello? Justice Nixon, hello? Well, that's just great. Who was that? Funny man. Ain't I a pistol? It was probably the client again. Sure, or it could have been Mike Rogers. So that's what's got you in such a mood. You got stood up. Are you still talking? You got stood up and you don't much like it. I'm going to give you to the count of one. Relax, sister. Get your hat. Why? Where are we going? To see our news hound. I've just come from there, Potato Head, and it was surprisingly like talking to an empty chair. Yeah, but he's down at Dirty Sally's. The bar by the waterfront? There can't possibly be two. What's he doing there? Keeping tabs on a story that doesn't know he's a story yet. And waiting for us. How do you know all this? He called about 45 minutes ago. I hate you. That's tough but fair. Get your hat. 
Dirty Sally's was the kind of place you knew by reputation. No one knew exactly how it got its name, as it had been owned and operated for the last 20 years or so by a 300-pound Hungarian man named Tibor, who rarely wore a shirt under his grease-soaked apron. Actually, that's almost certainly how it got its name, as fat, shirtless Tibors doesn't exactly pack in the sailors. At least not in any navy that I'm familiar with. And I really don't care to hear any joke that you'd care to make out of that. Hey, Tibor. Jack Justice, why you stay away so long, huh? Doctor's orders. I'm supposed to cut down on my rat goulash intake. Hey, don't be so much kidding with that. There could be health inspector in here. Tibor, in all seriousness, when was the last time? 1936. But you can't be too careful. That's what I said. Tibor? Oh, you brought her. Be nice. Nice to see you too, Puddin'. I see you're parting the hair on your shoulders the other way. Don't make me separate you two. Just you keep her out of trouble. Every time she comes here, she gets into fist fight. Maybe because people talk about her in the third person while she's standing right there. All right, that's enough out of both of you. Tibor, back to your cage and send us out something in a clean glass, would you? <laughs> Might take a bit of time. I don't see Mike anywhere. Maybe he's in disguise. You think? Could be. Do crime reporters still go in for that kind of thing? Sure, it's corny, but... If he's in an eye patch, I'm going to slap him on general principles. Might I remind you, Princess, that you are a hair's breadth away from being banned for life from the worst dive in a 300-mile radius. A social status somewhere just above war criminals and just below leprosy. A hair's breadth? What does that mean? It's a poorly constructed analogy intended to demonstrate the extreme closeness of the event in question. And shut up. Touché. He's not here. He's here somewhere. An interesting proposition, belied only by one small thing. He isn't here. He is not, in fact, here. This is a problem. Yes. The client is breathing down our neck. She really is. One word from Mike could make all the difference. It could. And since we've been waiting all day for him to wave his magic wand at the problem... So to speak. So to speak. Now we have to pick his brain just to get caught up and not look like idiots. Aim for the stars, bright eyes. Here. What's this? His beer. His beer? Is why? He's clean. Bottle is clean. Well, it's clean-ish. You should see glasses. Well, take the beer, thanks. Here, get yourself something frilly. Oh, boy. Now Tibor can finally get newspaper I have been saving up for. Clam up. No, wait. Tibor, have you seen Mike Rogers in here? Mike Rogers. I don't know who is that. That is reporter. That is... Now you got me doing it. He's the crime reporter for the Gazette. He's a pal of ours. And an occasional source of useful information. One stop shopping for the lazy detective. But he has proved elusive on this occasion. He has what? He stood us up twice. Her twice, me once. But who is counting? More or less. You've got to know Mike. Red hair, cut short, no neck. Suit that looks like Mrs. Peters never learned to use an iron. A light brown hat with the band with the three colors. And the little yellow feather, yeah. Was he in here? Was here, yeah. So what happened? He left. Which I kind of assumed from the fact that he was here and is no longer. He's detective. Is impatient. Tibor, please. Try to focus on the issue at hand. Try not to think about the amount of structural damage Miss Dixon has caused to your establishment over the years. In fact, just blank her from your mind. Okay. Boo. She makes it difficult. Stop making it difficult. Tibor, for the love of St. Anthony, just tell us, how long ago did Mike leave? Maybe 20 minutes before you walk in. Swell. He didn't try and leave us a message, a note, anything? No, he go with his friends. What friends? Two big fellas. They pick him up and carry him out. What? I am thinking maybe he had too much to drink. How many had he had? 
Maybe one. One. Maybe not so much. Tibor does not ask so many questions. So I see. Any of the barflies around when it happened? Mm, I think maybe Shy Pete could remember for a whiskey or ten. Wheel him over, dear Tibor. Wheel him over. I go. This isn't going to turn into another one of those things, is it? What things? Those things where we start off doing something simple and end up having to do something else which is 20 times more complicated, only to forget all about what we're trying to do when we started. I'm going to go with yes, since I've already forgotten what the name of God you're talking about. Jack. Or no. I'm totally willing to revise my answer in favor of whatever will involve us no longer having this conversation. All right, don't get out of hand. I'm starting to think that out of hand might be the best possible way to handle this one. Mike Rogers is a pal, and he's pretty clearly up to his neck in something. You're only saying that because he was dragged out of here faster than the health inspector was back in 34. I really am. And if there's one thing worse than not having one of your best contacts around when you need him... It's never having him around again because he went and got dead? More or less, yeah. Then we better find out who's got our news hound penned up, and we better find out fast. You are listening to Blackjack Justice from DecoderRingTheater.com. I don't pretend to know who said it first, but it has been observed on more than one occasion that you don't appreciate what you've got until it's gone. Or words to that effect. It might have been that fellow who wrote the fables. What was his... Aesop. It was probably Aesop. Though if Aesop told it, there'd be a monkey involved. That would have to be Jack. Jack would be a monkey and I would be some sort of golden-haired fox, which is fairly accurate, I suppose. And Mike Rogers would be... I don't know, a handful of wheat or some cheese, something unlikely and food-related. This analogy seems to have crashed and burned on the runway, but the long and short of it is this... There were certain constants in our little corner of the universe, and Mike might not have been up there with death, taxes, and Lieutenant Sabian's foul moods, but he was an important cog in our little machine of law and order, and I'm sure he'd be even less thrilled with that metaphor. It was beginning to look as if whatever he was up against, it was even more dangerous than standing up a girl detective at Drucker's Delicatessen. And that, my friends, is saying something. It was bound to happen sooner or later, I suppose. The newspaper game was competitive, and Mike wasn't as young as he used to be. With a crowd of baying young news pups nipping at his heels, a guy could get to taking some pretty big risks to stay top dog. But it meant that the fate of our nose for news now rested in the hands of a smelly old drunk. But enough about Jack. Seriously, though, folks, Tibor practically carried a witness with the unlikely name of Shy Pete over to our table in a bucket. Jack had a bottle brought over and ordered Shy Pete to lose his nickname or go thirsty and he did it in a voice that even the most optimistic drunk couldn't imagine was kidding around. Forty-five seconds later, we had a shockingly complete picture of the impromptu exit from Dirty Tibor's Dance Hall and Strychnine Emporium, together with a description that only fit one guy. Yeah, who is it? Candygram. What? Hiya, Beak. Dixon. Aw, that's swell. I didn't think you'd remembered. You ain't an easy girl to forget. I get that a lot. I'm sure. How come I suddenly write a personal call? What have I ever said or done to make you think otherwise? You called me pod scum. Ah, so many memories. And that was when you was being nice. Speak. Some girls throw out a little verbal heat from time to time just because they're, well, a little overwhelmed. Yeah? A little shy. Oh, yeah? A little vulnerable. Dixon... You 
ain't been vulnerable ten minutes since you was born. And I'm not saying my knees ain't jelly just now, because they is. But that is at least somewhat beside the point. It is, isn't it? What do you want? I'm looking for a friend of mine. Imagine my disappointment. Mike Rogers. Never heard of him. That's too bad, because a witness says you and another less distinctive hood threw him in the back of a car out back Dirty Sally's a couple hours ago. Yeah, a witness, you say. Puts me on the spot. Well, your nose, anyway. And I don't think he'll have any trouble picking that great honker out of a lineup. Or choosing might be a better word than... Uh, never mind. Look. Who are you working for, Precious? Drop dead. See... That's not nice. Get your foot out of my door. The usual stuff isn't working. Who are you talking to? Hi, Beak. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> my nose. Oh, sorry. Let me bend it back into shape. Oh. Oops, too far. Silly me. <laughs> well, now it's straighter, but a lot flatter. I'll kill you, Justice. Maybe we should just take this inside. Cut it out. Where's Mike Rogers, Beak? Go to hell. You first. Stop. Had enough? I had enough before we started. Where's Mike? I can't. They'll kill me. Yeah, that'd be a shame. Please. Listen, Beak. We can do this one of two ways. Let's go. What? Where have you been? Toss in the dump. What? Was I meant to be watching? So you just... Assumed that even if he told us something, he'd be lying. So as long as you are keeping him busy, I may as well have looked around. Yeah, that's more or less it. Can I get up now? <laughs> I'll just stay down here for a while. Trixie. You think Dingus here can keep an address in his head? Look what was written on the wall by the phone. But I just... Rockwell. 149 Ledger, Thursday, 1 o'clock. Danny Rockwell's had his finger in a lot of pies around town for months. Mike finally had an angle. Rockwell calls in some unaffiliated and not-too-talented muscle to meet at his place. He sends them down to Dirty Sally's to go grab Mike, pays them off, and sends them home, where they await us like good little gorillas. Trixie. What's your problem? There is a rhythm to these things. Ah, for Pete's sakes, Krupa, cuff beak to the radiator and let's go... Danny Rockwell. This day just got better and better. It wasn't hard to see that an up-and-comer like Rockwell could attract the attention of a guy like Mike. Rockwell was on his way from little fish to much, much bigger fish. He was used to being able to keep nosy parkers out of his business through intimidation alone. This worked fine when he was running a nickel-and-dime operation out of the east side. When he's muscling in on the unions or buying and selling public officials, it generally takes a little more finesse. Grease a few palms, break a few others. It's a balancing act, a dance. But if Mike was able to get the dope on Rockwell, it was because Rockwell hadn't mastered the steps just yet. Which meant he was still dancing a mean rumba, but our old pal Mike probably wouldn't like the beat too much. That's enough. Isn't it enough, Rogers? I thought as much. Now... Why don't you be a good little soldier and tell me what I want to know? Rockwell, you're crazy. Surprisingly enough, that was not quite what I was after. Oh, oh, oh. Think about this, Rockwell. I'm a reporter. The Gazette's a big paper. There are at least half a dozen people that know what I was working on. 
That is very unfortunate. Oh! But it seems to me unlikely that the number is quite as large as that. Oh! It seems to me that in all the pictures I have seen, you news hounds are always trying to get the scoop on each other. The scoop? You've seen too many B pictures, Rockwell. Perhaps yes, perhaps no. Perhaps I have just seen enough. Well, that's nice and cryptic. Oh! You see, Rogers, I think maybe it's you that has seen too many pictures. Certainly it is you that has a very unrealistic view of what is about to happen to you if you continue to meddle in my affairs. The cavalry isn't coming, Rogers. No desperados with six guns blazing in the morning sun. I know it seems like an unacceptable end to the story. The dedicated investigative reporter beaten to death and found in an alley. It wouldn't make much of a musical. No, it wouldn't. A man in my position carries a great deal of responsibility. Responsibility? You're a crook. Exactly my point. I have a large and growing organization that depends upon me, Rogers. Depends upon me to show leadership. Bring in new revenue. Am I at a meeting of the Junior Business League? No, smart guy, you are not. And you know how you know that you are not? How? Oh! Ah! Oh! Oh! <clears throat> Serves me right for asking, I guess. It really does. <sighs> but there is a price to be paid for that kind of negotiating leverage. Unlike a normal businessman, I not only have my direct competitors to think of. I have the combined forces of law, order, and good government all united against me. The full force of a public-supported army against crime. My own tax dollars hard at work to put me in a cage. I cannot afford to play nice, and I cannot afford to make exceptions. Do you begin to understand? I guess I do at that. Do you think it matters that people know what you were working on, who you were after? So the murder of Michael Rogers becomes one more on a long list of things of which Dan Rockwell is suspected. You walked into a dangerous area. All sorts of things can happen to a man, or if you should suddenly disappear altogether. This isn't like knocking off a cop. The boys in blue would only be too happy to come down here and knock my head in on a suspicion. But the Gazette won't run a story without facts. No. Yeah, I guess they won't. Just tell me where the photos are, Rogers. The photos and your notes—that's all I want. And I'm sure you'll just let me stroll out of here. No, but I'll do it quick. And if one in the brain doesn't sound like a Christmas present, then you've got no idea what else is in store for you if you cheese me off again. There's no point in doing it slow, Rogers. Nobody knows where you are, and nobody's coming. Hang on, everybody, take it easy. Who is it? It's Beak. You gotta let me in. Beak, what do you think you're doing coming back here? Mr. Rockwell, we got trouble. Somebody's put the finger on me. They saw me nab the reporter. You gotta let me in. You gotta get me out of town. Sure thing, Beak. Hang on a minute. Listen, step back a minute, Terry. Hang behind the door and grab him, Joe. Plug him if he arches an eyebrow wrong. If that's Beak, we'll send him where the reporter's going before he can rat us out to the cops. And if it ain't, we'll plug him anyway. What's going on in there? Hang on, Beak. On three, one, three. What the? Freezer right there, sunshine. Nobody turns around. 
That routine wasn't meant to fool you. It was meant to make you look at the door and not the window by the fire escape. I said don't get cute. First one of you that turns around... Get her! Okay. Next one of you that turns around... You okay? My hero. The shooting's all over, precious. Don't be so sure. Who are you two? What is this? Well, Danny boy, looks like you haven't seen enough movies after all. You don't know the cavalry when you see it. Don't try and talk. Just relax. Trix, call Lieutenant Sabian, would you? He'll be delighted. You got nothing on me! I'll be out in an hour. We got nothing on you. How about kidnapping and assault, moron? And if you think you're walking the streets again before you're a very old man and you don't know Lieutenant Sabian... You lucky boy. There is that. And so it went. Our news hound wouldn't be winning any beauty pageants for the next little while, but he was still more or less in one piece. Sabian took his statement and Mike insisted on being taken back to the Gazette so he could file his article on the arrest of Danny Rockwell before every other paper in town had it and he was stuck with a mouthful of loose teeth for no good reason. So Mike was top dog for a little while longer, and all was right with the world. And as Jack and I slunk back to the office to wake the dog and lock the doors, we found a tall, imposing shape of a middle-aged woman standing at our door, quivering with indignation. Ah, yes. A client. Jack went into his best smooth purr. You see, ma'am... Sometimes we are best able to serve our clients' needs by consulting with outside contacts whom we have developed over the years, but who are not necessarily at our beck and call. In this instance, we needed to check in with a crime reporter whom we are acquainted with and who currently owes us a heck of a favor when his face heals. And now that we have been able to... Uh, that is, uh... What is it? Trixie, be a dear and tell the client what we learned from Michael Rogers... You mean you didn't ask him? Ah, Christmas. By which he means, would you mind taking a seat and waiting just a little while longer? Blackjack Justice, episode 28, No News is Good News, was written and directed by Greg Taylor and starred Christopher Mott and Andrea Lyons, with additional voices supplied by Kevin Robinson, Peter Nickel, Stephen Burley, and Greg Taylor. This recording and the story, characters, and situations depicted within are the property of their author and creator and protected by copyright. Until next time, remember, DecoderRingTheater.com is your address to adventure. Hey everyone, it's Mark from Leap Audio. I'm here to tell you about something really exciting. July 24 through 26 of 2020, Halifax, Nova Scotia, we are gathering together in the world's first international modern audio drama convention and family reunion. Inspired in part by the living, loving memory of our dear friend Bill Hallweg, We're bringing together writers, producers, actors, and our fans for workshops, seminars, and even live performances. So join us, won't you? Go to madcon.com. That's www.mad-con.com for more information. I hope to see you in Halifax in 2020.